This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands in monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say... My favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds. Tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more win those championships pause the podcast right now sign up and you can thank me later in the group chat what's happening guys happy wednesday and welcome to the dynasty war zone the people's dynasty podcast and today's topic is going to be a continuation of our three team parlay series now what's that that's where jerry and i are going to break down three teams for the upcoming 2020 season, but we're not going to do it in the traditional fashion that a lot of other podcasts do, where they'll do the AFC North or the NFC South or what have you. We're just going to take three teams, one that finished last year in the top 11 of points, a team that finished in the bottom 11 in points, and then a team that finished somewhere in the middle. So that way we can talk about a really good team, a really bad team, and a team in the middle. Break it down. What are we thinking Uh, What do we see happening in 2020? Of course, we'll go back and revisit anything we need to. This is going to be part two, but I'll tell you who's never number two, because he's number one in my heart. He is the co-host of this show. He is the man of the hour and the man with the power. Jerry Sinclair, how was your Memorial Day, buddy? It was good. I, uh, I read a book outside and I smoked a cigar. I've been wanting to smoke a cigar for a while. Sat down, relaxed, strapped the dog to the chair. And just enjoyed the sunshine. It's a rarity. See, there's a few seasons in Michigan. There's winter, there's late winter, there's construction, and then there's three days of nice weather. And today was one of those three nice days. So it was good. How, how was your Memorial Day and how are you, my friend? Well, I, I did two things that were mostly fun. Now, this is my quote unquote busy season. So I did work both Saturday and Monday. Hey, but that's the, uh, the cost of doing business sometimes when it is your season. But on Monday, I was able to take part in my gym's, one of my gym's annual fundraisers, which is the Murph. That is the workout for CrossFit named after Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who was the, I guess, part of the movie Lone Survivor. Now, Marky Mark played Marcus Luttrell, uh, but Michael Murphy is also depicted in that movie. But anyway, the, the workout consists of a one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and another one-mile run with or without 20-pound weighted vest. Of course, I opted for said vest, knocked eight minutes off my time from last year, and then 
I grabbed some of our buddies from the Patreon. I grabbed five of those guys, and we did a two-round mock startup draft that we're going to bring to the Warzone listener on Friday. Had some audio imperfections that I wanted to clean up, as these guys are loyal supporters and listeners of the Warzone. So what a better way to, to spend some time with them. I agree. And listen, I actually saw someone running with one of your little weighted vests, and I thought of you, and I was like, you know what? Wonder, wonder if my man Randy's doing it. And it's ironic that you just happened to bring that up because I literally saw it and thought about you. Another thing for everybody out there that's listening, Scott Fishbowl invites are coming out. So make sure you register SFB, Scott, scottfishbowl.com. Uh, some of the invites are coming out, but it's never too late to try. It's for a good cause, fantasycares.com. And it's just fun, man. I mean, I had a draft with Evan Silva last year, made it all the way to the conference finals after... Two years ago, I got my first go at it, and I absolutely pooped my pants. It's just fun. It's a it's a good it's a good thing. It's one of the great uniters of this whole community. Yeah, that that was the capper to a very good Memorial Day. Was last evening I got my invite to said Scott Fishbowl. We'll make sure to retweet out the website. I don't believe it's uh, too late to sign up. I think they only sent out about a third of the total invite. So if you don't have yours yet, don't get your panties in a knot. There's still time. A couple of things I wanted to go over real quick. Jerry and I are working on launching a YouTube channel. Now, I don't know how soon we'll be able to get that up and running, but I know a lot of our peers in the Dynasty and Fantasy space have one. Uh, We probably won't do too many live streams just because we don't record this consistently at the same time as Jerry and I are both busy with work, but that is another way for you eventually, to consume the Dynasty Warzone, along with some new projects we have coming up. Speaking of new projects, don't forget to check out the Side Hustle over at the Dynasty Happy Hour feed with Tyler Gunther and the guys over there. That's the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor. That's where I take you, the listener, and make you my co-host for the day. We go over your team in an attempt to make it better. Going to continue this three-team parlay series as well as five-star reviews. Jerry, do you know how many five-star reviews since Friday? How many? There was a movie with Ice Cube called 3 O'Clock High where he does like this famous like three. We've had three. Three in three days. It's about one a day. So if we can keep that up, man. That's the, that's the stuff right there. Moving on up, baby. Hey, man, I, I want to get to 200. Now, we've got like 125 on iTunes. I'd have to check the other feed that I've been using to get like the cumulative between all of them, but I would love nothing more than to have 200 feed uh, subscriptions and five-star reviews. So if you're not driving an automobile, tractor, or any kind of machinery, take a second and go over and subscribe and leave us a five-star. And be sure to check us out on Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on the IG, man, Jerry, I went crazy over the weekend. I dropped like three new posts. Yeah, I saw, I saw the episode too. Look at you moving. Listen, this guy knows what he's doing on IG now. Tech savvy. Yeah. I'll tell you what was the coolest part is one of the, the people who found the Dynasty Warzone via the Dynasty Happy Hour contractor, a young man named Lucas. He and I spent the better part of Monday morning going back and forth as he was preparing for a live draft. And that's not something I normally have time for, especially on Monday when I was working. But, hey, it was a new way of reaching out, as well as at DynastyWarzone at gmail.com. Not everyone who listens to this podcast wants to go into the cesspool that can be social media. If you need to get a hold of me or Jerry, 
Um, that's that's another way to do it. At Dynasty Warzone at Gmail dot com. You can check it out, Jerry. You want to hit like something we haven't done in like months? You want to go over a couple of bits of news? Oh, all right, okay. Uh, C- Carlos Hyde, Seattle uh. Seahawk. <laughs> where, where where does that hit you on the meh meter? I mean, right smack dab at the top of the meh meter. If there's anything that's more meh in that whole backfield, I don't know what it is. And, and listen. Sorry, Rashad Penny. You really tried. You were, you almost got an opportunity for a second there, but you didn't actually. You know, b- before Mr. Penny got hurt, I was never a fan of what I presumed. Now, to be fairness, that's it's it's a presumptive take, but I never presumed him to be like the most you know fitness fanatic. You know, didn't think I was ever going to confuse him for Odell Beckham, who's posting a bunch of fire workouts like every other day. Or just a lot of these guys. I saw a really good one the other day with Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson down in Florida. I don't expect that something, man. Can, can we get you on like a bike? Can we get you like on a treadmill? Can we get you in a pool? Can we get you going for like a leisurely stroll around your neighborhood? Because my fear is that you're at home packing on the pounds. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're just not trying to go for a... Too much social media clout. And then uh, Joe Flacco signed with the Jets. Not much of a signing other than the fact that he's still recovering for neck surgery, may not be ready for week one, and yet Cam Newton doesn't have a job. Jerry, what are you doing with a Cam Newton share in Dynasty? I don't know what you can do. I mean, if you have him, you're holding on to him. That goes, I you have to. Because you have to just assume that at some point he's going to do something. Or be somewhere, but do you really think that man's ego is going to let him be a backup somewhere? I, I think uh, we, we've mentioned this before in the Dynasty War Zone, but 49, I believe that's the number, 49 quarterbacks last year started a game in the NFL. If I'm Cam Newton, I'm just going to lay out, continue to work on my fitness, get my arm right, because let's be honest, it's been almost, I mean, really since 2017, since Cam's put up memorable stats. I mean, he's been banged up the better part of two years, and it's not like he's lit up either the the real NFL scoreboard or the fantasy scoreboard in a while. So just lay out, man. I think he's doing the right thing. He he is one of those guys who's posting a lot of really good workout videos, and he's throwing he's showing himself throwing the football around. So all that's great. I just wouldn't be in a hurry. You know, someone's gonna, especially with more and more running quarterbacks than I think we've ever had, whether it's Kyler whether it's Lamar, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, you know, pretty mobile. We've even talked about how Patrick Mahomes moves a little bit more than he did really toward the end of last season that he did, say, at the start of the season. If I'm Cam, man, I'm just kind of kind of chill. Why rush in and take a $1.1 million job or a $3 million job like Jameis, like Andy Dalton, when you can go in and, and maybe, you know, jump into a really good situation and really show what, what you still got. So that's what I do with Cam. Uh, Jerry, one of your personal favorites, Devonta Freeman, willing to sit out the year if he doesn't get the right deal. He basically turned down the Carlos Hyde job. What do you make, Jerry, t- explain your mans to me. I am going to try and say this without using curse words. That is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard from a football player. You are a running back. You are a pretty injury-prone running back. You are certainly on the decline. And you saw how tough it was for Melvin Gordon and for Le'Veon Bell 
and they weren't as injury prone and weren't on such a decline as you are. And you've seen all these teams draft now and they've had the opportunity to sign you for months and you haven't done it. What in the hell makes you think that you are more likely to get a job and more money if you sit out for an additional year? Let me ask there, you a question. It, it, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me play devil's advocate. Let me, let me get inside the head of Mr. Freeman, okay? Kind of like I thought with Cam. Now, now Devontae's, uh, Devonta strikes me as the kind of guy who's probably taking pretty good care of his money. He seems to be a really reasonable guy, and he signed a pretty lucrative deal. I don't have the exact number, but I think it was like $45 bucks, some something like that. Yeah. S- same thing with Cam. You know, this is a guy who's fought a lot of injuries, 2017, 2018, even missed two games in 2019. Why not just lay back? If 49 guys started a game at quarterback, how many guys started a game at running back? Why not just lay out? Chill. Wait. You know, why take the first job available on any team when you could maybe stroll into a really good situation on a playoff team? Not that Seattle won. That's not what I'm saying. But this is a guy who seems to know exactly what he wants. He's willing to be patient. And he knows that that there's no point in being in a hurry. I, I kind of like his approach. He doesn't come across as needy. Uh, he seems very confident what he brings to the table. And obviously, Seattle is a team that clearly values the running game. And if they're willing to make him an offer, I think something will come along. So I, I don't mind the, the strategy of it, Jerry. I mean, he got paid. That's the That's the sort of silver lining to this whole thing. He already got his money, so maybe he can afford to do it. I just, you have to know you are on, it's like the, what the hell's the little thing where you flip it upside down and the sand runs out and it's like a, a minute timer. J- Jerry, That's, hold on. It's an hourglass. How are you okay, as, a, as you. a history, as a history major? How do you not know that? Listen, they didn't have them in the seventh century. So I just, I don't understand you that's your time in running back time. It's very limited. You got until all those grains of sand hit the bottom and that's the end of what you got. If that's why I don't, I don't, I sort of like Carlos Hyde's move. He just, he doesn't care. He knows he's just going to play until he can play. Now, granted, he never got paid like Devonta Freeman did. So I get it, but I just, I don't think there's going to be a market for him. And if he truly wants to play and truly wants to make more money and the money is the reason that he's doing this, take a job. It's you are unfortunately in such a volatile position that it's tough then you're really not going to be in a situation where you know you, you you can sit out a year and think you're going to get paid. All right, well I, I I kind of agree and disagree. And then the last bit of news I think is good news. And you know everybody continues to ask, "Hey, do you think there'll be a season? Do you think there'll be a season? Hey Jerry, do you think there'll be a season? I think there will be." When you got California and New York to open up their training facilities, for sports teams, I, I think that pretty much says it all. The Miami Dolphins owner, I think it's Stephen Ross, yep. uh, said on uh, MSNBC that there will be a season. It just comes down to whether or not there are fans in the stands. Now, it's been reported that the NFL is planning on having full stadiums for the season. It's good to plan for it. I mean, it's good to plan for a full season. Why? Because that means they're thinking through, hey, what does – uh, social distancing look like? What does sanita- uh, sanitizing and sanitation look like? What will all of the necessary steps be for us to do it? The NFL, th- that's why I love football. The NFL is always thinking, always adapting, always moving. It's like the stupid pass interference replay rule. You know what? That didn't work. 
So let's get rid of it. We're going to throw that away. We're going to do something else. And that's what I love about the NFL. Of course, they're planning to have full stadiums. It doesn't mean they're going to, but it means that right now at the end of May, as we record this, they're planning for three and a half months from now to have us, the fans, in stands. I think that's great. Now, they may have to come back in mid-August and say, hey, you know what, with what's going on, you know, with what the current data and research says, this is what we're going to do. But the fact that they have a plan, because I'm going to take a cheap shot at the NBA right now. They still don't have a plan. You know, they have seven plans and no leadership and, and no direction. And the players are doing one thing and the owners are doing one thing and the, and the TV partners are doing one thing. That's why I love the NFL. They've got a plan. They're making things work. And that's why I host an NFL Dynasty podcast and not an NBA podcast, Jerry. I hear you. And listen, the NHL came out and said, we're not going to do the regular season. We're just playing the playoffs. We're going to expand the playoffs. We're going to do the playoffs. At least they're trying something. So I hear you. And I, I think we're playing too. I I think there will be fans in the same. Here's the thing. It seems like we've been in this situation for much longer than we have been. When did this really start? The beginning of March? So we're, you know. It was actually, it was, um, I remember the, the, the first hullabaloo on social media in the States anyway was right after St. Patrick's Day, because there was a big to-do about whether or not restaurants and pubs were going to host St. Patrick's Day's events. So we're just talking a little over uh, two months, maybe nine, ten weeks. And we're talking about events that are four months in the future. You've got to think that it's we're on the downward trend, and you add four months onto that, I really think we're going to be playing football. I think there's going to be at least some fans in the stands. I think they like money too much. Not to be too much of a, a pessimist, but I think the, those owners want our money a lot, and I don't blame them. I would want it too if I could get it. And I think people will be in there. I think we'll be watching football. I think we'll be playing fantasy football. I think we'll be trading. We'll be doing all the wonderful, beautiful things that fill our hearts with love. Well, man, let's jump into these three teams. Do you want to start with a good team, a mediocre team, or the, uh, the entry level, the bad team? Let's go with the bad team. The bad team. Now, now this bad team, Jerry, do you have any guesses as to who, who I picked? Well, actually, the Patreons picked. Uh, well, let's see. We already did the Lions. Uh, now, who is it? They wanted to talk the Denver Broncos. Now, the Denver Broncos last year fell in that bottom third of offensive teams. The 2019 Broncos under Nick, and I can now, never pronounce his last name, Scangarella. Um, this team finished with 17.6 points per game. That was good for 28th in the league in scoring. Jerry, as you like to say, that's no bueno. No, that is no bueno. And this is sort of a steal for a bad team. Because if there's one team that has sort of boosted their their status, the Broncos have to be near the top. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. So this team finished 28th in total yards last year. And they did that on by finishing 29th in total plays on offense at 954 they finished 28th in passing yards and 27th in pass attempt pass attempts with just over 504 and that was spread amongst three quarterbacks there was some joe flacco there was one of the many allens i know all the watt brothers are related there's tj and jj and Derek. i don't know if kyle allen josh allen and the allen that started in denver uh, are all related but I forget the guy's first name, but his last name was Allen. 
And then in rushing, they finished 20th in rushing yards. But they clearly wanted to rush the ball as they finished in the middle of the pack in attempts with 15th overall with 409 rush attempts. So uh, what is new? They brought in Melvin Gordon to the backfield already consisting of Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. They brought in Jerry Judy and uh, K.J. Hamler uh, via the, the draft to run with Cortland Sutton. And then they brought in a tight end named Albert Aquabunum. We just call him Albert O in these parts. So but Jim, I think you did good with that, though. Not, he's getting better. I think it's one of those, the more I hear it, the better I get with it. And uh, who's gone? Well, Joe, Joey Flacco is gone. And even though Shucks. and even though I don't think he's gone yet, uh, Deshaun Hamilton is not long for that world. Jerry, what, what do you think about this offense? I'm going to hit you with uh, – we're, we're going to go into some uh, stock up, stock down, stock hold in just a second. But overall, how, how did you like their offseason in Denver? I, how, how do you hate it if you're a fantasy fan? Honestly, it's they gained the wide receivers they needed. They added a running back. They even added a tight end. Listen, if Drew Locke is the guy, this is going to be a good offense. This is 100% on Drew Locke. If you are the man that can lead this team, you are going to be the angel to all dynasty owners with Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy, with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and everybody else. It, I, it, for one, it has to go up. That's, I mean, that goes without saying, I think that's true. I'm not the biggest Drew Locke guy, but I don't think he is going to struggle just because of what is around him. It's sort of a situation where my man can just sit back and just do what he has to, because he has talent really everywhere. It, I don't want to, fall into the Baker Mayfield QB two sort of thing, because he's definitely not getting the hype like that, nor should he, but he's in sort of that situation where everybody was so enamored with Baker Mayfield because he had Jarvis and he got Odell Beckham and Nick Chubbs there and David and Joku's there. And everybody went gaga over that. And I think this is sort of that same situation. Now I think Drew Locke is probably not as good as Baker Mayfield, but that, that's yet to be seen, too. You know, I, I have been wrong. And listen, I, I you're a Drew Locke guy to an extent. You you tell me what you think about this offense. What what are, what are, What is Randy, the man who loves these type of quarterbacks? What is your outlook? So I will start with a couple of things on Drew Locke. I like Drew Locke, but it's funny you compared him to Baker Mayfield. So he really took over as the permanent starter in week 13. So in weeks 13 through 17, yes, I'm counting the mystery 17th week that we typically never use for fantasy. But in those five games, which is the big sample size on him, he finished with two points less than Baker Mayfield. Drew Locke over that five-week time frame was QB 27, Baker QB 26. So it's funny that you compared those two. Some things that I like, obviously they invested heavily in the offense around him. They already had a pretty good defense, which is going to get Bradley Chubb back on the pass rush. That's pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're going to give him every opportunity. The one thing that I like is Pat Shermer, the new offensive coordinator there. You know, last year, the pick of Daniel Jones was universally panned by draft pundits, dynasty Twitter, and just anyone with the ability to speak. They all hated it. But Daniel Jones had a better than advertised 
2019, and I think it was in large part due to Pat Shermer. Uh, same thing with Case Keenum. I believe the year was 2017, the Minneapolis Miracle, where the Vikings beat the the Saints on that Stephon Diggs touchdown. But it wasn't about that play. It was about Case Keenum's overall play that entire year. Offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer. So even though I don't think Pat Shermer's a good head coach, I think Pat Shermer's a good coordinator. And I also think he's really good at developing quarterbacks. So that's the big plus. So since I'm already rolling, I'm going to roll right into stock up, stock down. We'll just start with the quarterback position. Uh, Drew Locke, for me, he's a hold. You know, based off those last five games, I don't feel like I've got like a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray candidate, but I'm also not willing to give him up. Now, if someone wants to knock my socks off with an offer, I'll be more than happy to move Drew Locke. But for me, he's a hold because of where his ADP and value is right now. If it goes any higher, I would probably bump him to a sell. But for me, he's a hold for sure. What about you, Jerry? Where are you at with Locke? I think he is either going to skyrocket from where he's at or plummet from where he's at. I think that's the only... I don't think there's really a chance that he stays where he's at. Either he's going to have it and he's going to be young and he's going to have tons of talent that's around him and he's going to succeed or he's just not going to be the guy and he's going to be replaced soon. He's going to be that Mitchell Trubisky that's just, he's going to be toxic and people aren't just going to want him anymore. I, I think he's extremely polarizing and I think 2020 is the year we're going to find out. I agree. So, if, if, I'm, if I've got Drew Locke, I'm holding, but I'm not proactively buying. Whereas ADP is in his, his you know, trade calculator, whether you use Dynasty Dominator or DTC, whatever, it's just a tad high for me. So I'm not buying, but I'm not selling without a slight overpay because I know how high the upside can be. Let's kick, let's kick it over to these running backs, Jerry. Melvin Gordon, um, and I almost called this team hold, as in almost everyone is a hold for me. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, they're both holds to me. I'm not actively buying either. If I had, if I had to buy one, I would be buying Philip Lindsay. Whenever you've got one of these interesting tandem backfields, I'm always going to take the cheapest one and hope to get my share. This is a backfield that you're going to hear me say this term a lot as we cover some of these teams. We're going to cover another one here in just a minute. I'm calling them double trouble. And this is a backfield that you're going to see a lot going forward. There's so few bell cows anymore. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. So so you're going to see backfields like this with Melvin Gordon, with Philip Lindsay, where I think both guys can, can contribute. Last year, Philip Lindsay was the RB19. He averaged 12.3 points per game in PPR. And I, I think that's repeatable. This is a team clearly that wants to run the ball. You know, we always talk about Mike Zimmer in Minnesota who run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Well, Vic Fangio is very much the same. So it will be interesting to see what Pat Shermer does with this offense. But where are you at with these two running backs? <sighs> so I've never been a Philip Lindsay guy. So I think that still remains the case. Um, if I have him, which luckily I don't because I'm not his guy, but let's say hypothetically, I am waiting until he has a game where he has a pulse and I'm getting rid of him. I think Melvin Gordon is a better back than he is. Uh, not that I love Melvin Gordon either. I think this is going to be a little bit of a frustrating backfield. Not to the extent of, you know, San Francisco last year, but it, they're going to get their work. They're going to have some opportunities. I just, 
when are you really going to rely on like if, if you're starting them as your RB2 in the championship, you can't feel good about it. And even if it's your flex, if I have a good wide receiver, if I'm going against a good wide receiver in the championship, I'm not going to feel good if I'm starting Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. That's a position that I'm likely going to be losing in that matchup. I just, I don't love it. They're running backs. They're really, I mean, Philip Lindsay doesn't have the draft capital. He's got some production, but it's declined. Melvin Gordon's got injuries from way back in the day. Then he sat out and then we've not seen the best new situation. None of it screams. I'm still going to be an elite asset. So I will, I, I think I'm, I'm done with them. Honestly, I will tr- I would rather have Darius guys every damn day of the week, just for the sheer pers- uh, What am I, what word am I trying to sheer chance that he, he can blow up. Cause I don't think there's going to be a chance that they do. Well, we're, we're kind of along the, the same page. I mean, if I had to pick one, let's say this was redraft and not dynasty, I'd rather have Melvin Gordon. I mean, this was that's the guy, fair. This was the guy that this is Pat Shermer's first year. Obviously, he and John Elway and Vic Fangio said, "Hey, let's bring this guy in. Let's give him eight million dollars a year." So he would be the one I'd rather have. But this is not a great offensive line. He had 162 rushes last year for 612 yards. He's does he does always have good TD upside. You know, he had eight TDs in 12 games last year, so that's pretty good. If if you really think about it, that was on pace for double digits in a single-season game. But, I, I I mean, if you got him, you, you hold him and look to sell him in season. I think that's oh, yeah. the, the best thing you can do. And then let's switch over to the wide receivers. You've got the, the returning Cortland Sutton. You added in route runner deluxe Jerry Judy, speedster extraordinaire K.J. Hamler. Uh, where are you at with these guys? Stock up, stock down, stock hold across the three. All right, KJ Hamler's tough for me. He's a tough sell. In college, dude was awesome. He did it against good good teams. He was consistently electric, unbelievable. I don't know if such a little guy can continue to do that and be fantasy relevant in the NFL. Cuz he's little. My man's like me little, which is not good if you're going to get hit by superhumans in the NFL. So that scares me a little bit. I Compared to where you're getting him in rookie drafts, I guess he's probably a hold because he's not. I mean, he's he's worth a shot. If he can hit, then you'll be happy. But I I, I just I'm not gambling on him a lot. Uh, as far as Jerry Judy is concerned, I I think it's stocked down a hundred percent. We're talking about a dude that was I don't know. He's been the wide receiver one going into the 2020 class up until the end of the 2019 uh, season we just had, and CD Lamb jumped him. But he was still right there. It was still close. There was still a debate between Lamb and Judy. And then he lands with Sutton. And everyone wants to poop on Sutton. And I just, I don't see that. I We're talking about a dude that in his second year exploded. He has a rapport with Drew Locke. Why would I think that that's going to change for a college wide receiver who did extremely well with other talent in his offense, but didn't blow them out of the water. He didn't make Devonta Smith irrelevant. He didn't make, you know, Jalen Waddle irrelevant. He didn't make Henry Ruggs irrelevant in that situation. Why would I think that that's going to happen to Sutton? I don't think he's the guy. I think he's maybe Amari Cooper. You know, I, I think he's going to be that frustrating. You really think he's going to be an elite asset and he's just pretty good his whole career. As far as Cortland Sutton goes, 
I'm buying the hell out of him because people want to think that Jerry Judy's going to jump him. And I really, truly don't think that even in the least bit, Randy. Anyone that's done a startup with me will tell you that I don't think that at all. I don't have shares of Jerry Judy. I have tons of Cortland Sutton. I know Sutton's your man too. So you you tell me what's going on here. Well, I'll start with K. I'll start from the bottom and work my way up with KJ Hamler. I don't really have any interest unless it's a best ball share. He's clearly the kind of guy that you know when he was drafted. The you know smart asses on Twitter were like. There's finally a, a wide receiver that Drew Locke can't overthrow. I'm like, don't hold your breath. Drew Locke could overthrow anybody. He's got a cannon in that thin air. Don't hold your breath. He's the kind of guy who could easily have a stat line of like three catches for 168 yards and two touchdowns and totally win you a week in best ball. But he is nowhere near going to crack a head-to-head where I have to set a two or three wide receiver lineup or a flex he's not that kind of an asset so if it's not a best ball he's not for me Jerry Judy he was my wide receiver one pre NFL draft he is the guy that I have dubbed my 2020 AJ Brown he AJ Brown was my one or two this time last year before the NFL draft Uh, I, I let him slip through my fingers in way too many drafts because I perceived the situation in uh Tennessee to be less than ideal, and it cost me. I have a few A.J. Brown shares, but not as many as I probably should have. But I'm with you. So for me, Hamler is a meh to a hold, I guess, of best ball because I wouldn't have him any other way. Jerry Judy is actually, he's neutral. I, I kind of want to see it. If I've already got him at this point, but I'm not going the, the, the trade-up route um, where he's going in rookie drafts. I will gladly take guys like uh, Rager, as an example, over him. And then let's get to my man, Cortland Sutton. Now, in the perception of the Dynasty Twitter sphere, his stock is down, but give me that dude. Out of all these guys, you know, it's, you know, puzzle pieces, you know, things that fit together. The way that Drew Locke plays the quarterback position and the way that Cortland Sutton plays the wide receiver position, they fit. Those are puzzle pieces. Drew Locke out there throwing what I like to refer to as YOLO bombs. Who's going to go up and get it? The big man, Cortland Sutton. And this is a guy who continues to just be a much better wide receiver going into year three. I think he'll have a big year. He may not be a target hog, but I think he's the kind of guy that his value continues to, I won't say dip slightly. Man, give me all that Cortland Sutton. I'm gladly in, and I'll go into the the tight ends. Uh, Noah Fant, for me, he's, he's down in the industry. He's a hold up, but I'll tell you why. It's his new teammate, Albert O., Let's be honest, Noah Fant started the season in the doghouse with Coach Vic Fangio. I don't want to go as far as to call him an O.J. Howard type, but I have concerns. You know, when they were in the pre-draft process, you were talking about Drew Locke, they actually proactively asked Drew Locke, hey, should we draft Albert Okwabunum, Albert O? He was like, yeah. I think these guys had 17 combined red zone touchdowns when they were at Missouri together. And that makes me nervous. And with the investment you already have in, in Noah Fant, I would rather have neither. So for me, if you've got Albert O, and I know people were getting him cheap, dirt cheap, in rookie drafts, like I'm talking fourth, fifth round, in some cases UDFA. So I would much rather have him at cost than Noah Fant because this entire offense is a mystery. To me, Jerry, I know where you're at with the wide receivers. What about the other two pass catchers, Fant and Albert O? All right. 
Noah Fant was my top tight end last year. I don't think he showed anything that suggested that he's not capable of succeeding in the NFL. But, like you said, at cost, I will take Albert O every single time because not only is he cheap, Randy, like you said, 17 touchdowns. This man, in his first season of college football with Drew Locke, had 11. He had 11 touchdowns. They play 11 games. He already has a rapport. What makes me think that he's going to just explode right to Noah Fant now? I just I can't see it. If Albert O can play in the NFL, if it's shown that he has it, Drew Locke's going to find him. He knows him. He's good with him. What he had that rapport was not with Noah Fant last year. It was with Cortland Sutton. So I, Noah Fant's tough because I love the talent. And I think that's sort of a lazy take because it's like calling a, a nice two by four a nice two by four. Every, uh, if you watched Noah Fant play, you think he's pretty good for a tight end. But I think I am going to have more Albert O then a little bit because he's going to be one of these guys that's so cheap. He, even in redraft, he's going to be one of the guys that I take in the last round and just boop. Cause for all I know, he's going to be the guy there and that's going to be the steal of steals. Yeah. If you can find a, a fellow owner who's high on fan, I, the, the term I like to use is happy to be wrong. So coaching staff and uh, any changes there, obviously Pat Shermer, the head coach is still Vic Fangio. I actually think that the Shermer effect will be good. I think that you're hoping for 2017 Case Keenum. Case Keenum that year finished as QB 14 overall. He attempted about 30 pass attempts a game. He had 3,500 yards passing and 22 TDs on a team that had a had a pretty decent year. And I think if you ask Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer behind the scenes if he had that kind of a year, I think that they would gladly take it. I think they would gladly take a playoff berth, a playoff win, and then let's see what happens. Because I see some parallels between these two teams with the good defense, a defensive-minded head coach. So all in all, for me, uh, are we up, down, or neutral on this offense? Obviously up. I don't, I don't think it's going to be hard for them to do better than their 28th overall in points last year and their 28th in total yards. Uh, I see good things. I, I think this is actually going to be – more of a running team than a passing team, but there's going to be games where there's going to be shootouts because they play against the revamped Oakland Raiders. They play against the Kansas City Chiefs twice. So I I see some shootouts. I I have them as a a slight up. I'm not as uppity up, up, up like the rest of the world, but but I do see a trend toward the positive. Where are you at, Jerry? Uh, I think it has to be up, but I think that sort of goes without saying. This is like... You know, the the Miami offense we talked about, it's, you know, they gained some talent and they got nowhere to go but up. But I think I agree with you in the same sense that we sort of, you know, calm the storm on the Cleveland Browns when Baker Mayfield was going to be the QB two. I think that's sort of the same situation. There's going to be games where, oh, my goodness gracious, Memphis, they are going to look good. But then there's just going to be big fat gaps where drew lock looks like he sort of looked like at times last year. I think it's up. I think it's gotta be up. Cause they were, where, where did you say they finished last year? 20, 20 what? They finished 29th. I mean, she'd be 28th in points per game and 29th in total plays. I think both those numbers would have to go up. 
Yeah, I think they're going to finish probably right around in the middle of the pack. So I think it'll be a pretty big jump, but I don't think it's to the hype that we're hearing. You know, there's people out there talking like this is a top five offense, and I don't think we're ready for that. If you told me in five years, or maybe not five, five is too long. If you told me like in two years it was a top ten offense, I could see that. If everybody reaches their their height of their talent, then sure. I, I could see some really good things, but you're not going to see it as early as 2020 with a modified offseason. All right, Jerry, we started from the bottom. Where are we going? Middle or the top of the top? Uh, you know, we might as well go polar opposite. Let's just go to the tippy top. All right, because this is one of my absolute favorite offenses. This is the Los Angeles Rams. They finished 11th, so they barely made the criteria of a team inside the top 11. But they did score 24.6 points per game last year. Again, that was good for 11th. Uh, They were 7th in uh, total yardage with just a shade under 6,000. They were 8th in total plays. Uh, From a passing perspective, they were 4th in total pass yards and 3rd in total pass attempts. So this is clearly, even though they modified their... Uh, personnel packages from a lot more three wide receiver to two wide receiver. They still put the air, uh, the ball in the air quite a bit. And then rushing, they finished 26th in rushing yards, but 18th in rush attempts. What does that tell me? It tells me that they that this is a team that wants to run the ball in LA. So you, you middle of the pack, they're looking to balance this offense. So they wanted to run the ball, Jerry. They just weren't effective running the ball, whether that was Todd Gurley's knee the byproduct of like a, a horribly rated pro football focus offensive line. Uh, who's new? I went around the horn every position, Jerry. All that I have is new is a rookie running back Cam Akers and rookie wide receiver Van Jefferson. Both take it in, in the second round. Who's gone? Uh, Todd Gurley. He's gone. He's in hot Atlanta. We'll get to him later in the three-team parlay series. And then Brandon Cooks. He is down there in Houston who we'll also get to later in the series. Jerry, what do you make of the Rams offseason? Interesting. I think the running back position was good. It's sort of tough to say that you lose Todd Gurley and you get better, but, you know, the Todd Gurley of old is is no more. It's That is a decrepit, dying asset for Dynasty. Uh, And it hurts. It's horrible. Breaks your heart. Because he won championships, but you know the time was coming. As far as Brandon Cooks, I don't give a rat's behind about Brandon Cooks. I haven't given a rat's behind about Brandon Cooks since about 2018. Um, he's a headache, and you never know when he's going to do good. And there's always one game where he goes for 130 and two touchdowns, and you go, "Oh, cool, that's Brandon Cooks." And then <laughs> the rest of the season. So as far as the offseason goes, I think they did pretty good. Um, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? So it's we're, we're going to break down each position group, so I'm going to go into it a little bit. But I, and you, as a whole, I know we've, we talk about McVay and we talk about Goff and we talk about Cooper Cup a lot. Did they help themselves? Did they hurt themselves? Well, this is an offense that I've always... I don't say been an admirer of, but I, I really like this team. I, I think I always have. I, I like Sean McVay. I like fantasy points, Jerry. I think that's how you win championships. If, you, if you've if never known that, your dynasty and fantasy teams have to score points for you to win. Did you know that? 
I'm gonna write that down. Actually, you should. You it, should. See, this makes sense. This makes sense why I don't win fantasy championships. It's one of the damnedest things. And and guys on the Rams just put up points. I think Cam Akers is just the the thing to help this team. Now I don't know what his role is going to be, and I'm not going to sit here and project him right into 2017 Todd Gurley, 2018 Todd Gurley. I think that would be foolish. I think that would be a mistake. We just can't grant him the 14 TDs that Todd Gurley had last year. We'd like to. It seems easy. I actually see a little bit more of a committee approach, something that I've tend to read a lot of out there in the non-fantasy circles as it relates to football, whether that be beat writers or uh, the the Locked On Rams podcast, things like that. They, they, they tend to think that it's going to be Cam Akers and a little bit of Daryl Henderson. Now, that would not surprise me if by the time the, the season was wrapping up, if it wasn't a workhorse role for Mr. Akers. But to get off the, the ground and just to cover the team, I, I like it. I like what they did. And I, I, I like the Van Jefferson pick. I It was, Jerry, you ever seen someone taken in like a dynasty rookie draft in round like two when you think, man, you could have got that dude in round four? Mm-hmm. And that's where I was with Van Jefferson. I'm like, okay, I like the guy, but why now? Why now? Um, you, you could have got like a defensive player. This is a team that had a lot of defensive losses and free agency. And it just struck me as weird. Um, I, I don't mind, you know, Todd Gurley being gone with all those touchdowns. And Brandon Cooks, I actually low-key want some cheap Brandon Cooks. We'll get into that when we get into Houston. Uh, stock up, stock down. What about Jared Goff, Jerry? I think currently, if I remember correctly, his ADP is in the teens. I think it's like QB 13, 14. I know you're a fan. I am a fan. Uh, I have Jared Goff just about every damn place that I have a dynasty team because it's sort of unpopular to like him at this point. There was a time when I think people liked him, and I think that changed in a heartbeat. Uh, he struggled last year a little bit. That was a, It was a rough year. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just did the startup. I took him at 112. It was a reach. Uh, QBs get a lot of points in that league. I didn't want to get stuck. I didn't have a pick for almost 30 picks. It was a reach. Uh, I have him in a startup right now. I think I got him in the fourth or fifth. I get Jared Goff everywhere. I like Jared Goff. He's easy to get. He's good. I, the offense is going to pass. Cooper Cup is a G. Robert Woods is one of the most disrespected wide receivers in the league. I love Tyler Higby. If there's going to be a guy that I own in more leagues than Tyler Higby, I would be very surprised. Maybe Juju, because I love me some Juju. But he, he's going to be my dude everywhere. I like the offense, too. It's I, I, I think the narrative is either it's staying the same or it's stocked down, which is all the more right for me to just go out there and buy him, because I have been. I'm I'm in total agreement. I'm buying, uh, been advocating a lot for him. So on the Dynasty Happy Hour contractor, I've av- actually been advocating for a lot of the guys that I've been helping over there. He's a guy. So what if I told you last year that Jared Goff set a career high in completions? Did you did you know that? I did not know that. W- what if I told you who he also had a career high in attempts? Hey, what do you know? And then he almost, he was 50 yards short of a career high in passing yards. He still finished with 4,638 total passing yards. What was different between that and his really awesome season of 2018? 10 TDs. That was really the big difference. He had 32 TDs in 2018. He only had 22 last year. Now, let's factor in 14 
rushing touchdowns for Todd Gurley. And let's say Cam Akers or uh, Henderson will get there in a minute. Let's say they get eight. I think that automatically inflates that number up closer to 28 to 30, Jer. I'm really bullish on Jared Goff. Um, he's the guy that I think you should be out buying in, in Superflex leagues. He is going to be a guy. So in, in three years with Sean McVay, he's been, I believe it's QB 13 on a season, QB 12 on a season, and QB 3 on a season. And he's done all of that with the, the same head coach. I mean, this is a team that's going to have continuity going into the offseason. I love it. Poor Jared Goff right into my veins because he's cheap. He's a guy that you can get for QB2 prices that's going to give you a QB1 return. All right, let's go to the running backs. Jerry, where are you at with Henderson and Akers? And I really don't consider Malcolm Brown a dynasty asset, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him. I also don't. Um, I think I have the unpopular opinion of not entirely loving the backfield. I think it is going to be pretty productive because they do want to run the ball. They are generally pretty damn good at running the ball. And the running backs find the end zone. And if there's one thing that just makes you smile is when your running back finds the end zone. And I think that is, I mean, that's where Todd Gurley has made his bread and butter for us. But they did not trade two thirds to move up in the third to take Daryl Henderson with the same front office, the same head coach, and then take a running back in the second to just use one. I just, I really can't believe that. And the thing about Daryl Henderson is he's pretty good. He was a great running back. He was a good prospect coming out last year. I just can't get behind the fact that Cam Akers is going to be a workhorse. Maybe it's also my bias of Cam Akers. I have always just seen a guy that, yes, the Florida State offensive line was bad. The offense in general was bad. I get it. At some point, stand out. At some point, I need to see you overcome that. It, it just it, it bothers me. Chris Carson wasn't, you know, didn't have a great offensive line when he was at Oklahoma State. He still stood out. You know, Le'Veon Bell didn't have a good offensive line at Michigan State. He still stood out. Let me see something, man. Let me see it. And I just didn't. He was. He, he's listen. Great pass catcher. He can block like a maniac. He does what you need. I don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's going to be one of these guys that's going to, I don't know, lead your fantasy team. Not He's not going to be one of these guys that's Zeke. He's not going to be one of these guys that's Alvin Kamara. He just, uh, he reeks of like Marlon Mack to me. Like there, there might be a time when you go, damn, I am really happy I have Cam Akers on my team. And that time's going to be over just as fast as you enjoyed it. And I just, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love the situation at running back. I think, listen, if someone gets hurt, by all means, it's going to be wonderful. It just, in a vacuum with both of them existing, both of them on rookie contracts, both of them getting pretty good draft capital. It seems like they want to use both of them. And they're both, they both have good skill sets. It just, I, if I have a championship team and maybe I got into the 105, 107, and I, and I picked Cam Akers, I'd be happy to have him on my bench and just wait him out and hopefully, you know, he, he is the guy and makes Jerry look stupid. Hey, listen, it's happened. 
it'll happen again. But if I'm relying on him going into 2020, no, absolutely not for me, sir. Well, I think you're well on the way to looking stupid. Uh, I I don't know that the kid's going to be like Saquon Barkley or even Miles Sanders last year, but I don't think Daryl Henderson's the guy. I don't think he fits this run scheme. I don't. I, I think they tried to put a round peg in a square hole. I think he'll still be used on some passing downs. I think Cam Akers, due to his blocking prowess, because this is a bad offensive line, yeah, it may start off very similar to Miles Sanders, where he'll be, uh, you know, used sparingly and he'll come on strong late. Uh, this is still a team that I think wants to contend and thinks they can contend and they're going to lean on this kid. And I think he's by far, by far the best running back in the backfield. Daryl Henderson, you might as well hold in case I'm wrong. Uh, and Jerry's right that they're, no, 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 no. listen, I don't think Daryl Henderson is some Supreme talent either. I just really don't love either of them. I don't, I don't think either of them is going to be one of these guys that in 2022 or 2023, we're talking about guys you have to have. I just, I, I don't. I, I don't know that from the talent standpoint, I disagree. I think from the opportunity standpoint, I think we're going to look back a year from now, and I think Cam Akers is going to be one of the three rookie running backs we look back on and say, hey, I wish I had more Cam Akers. But anyway, let's, let's jump over to the wide receivers. We got Robert Woods, the perennially disrespected Robert Woods, I may add. Uh, my man Cooper Cup, and then Josh Reynolds. I'll just roll right in, man. I, I think I think Woods' value on the quote-unquote market is about flat. Man, he's a stone-cold buy for me right now. Get that man out there. He's out there in every set. He is just a baller. He's a back-end wide receiver one, super high-end wide receiver two. Let's just call him top 15 for easy math. He's got some TD, some positive TD regression coming his way. I just love this man. Cooper Cup, I think he's about the same. I mean... How can I tell you he's going to go up much higher than wide receiver four overall in PPR last year? The only thing I can say is, is that people are like, well, he didn't get used as much in, in down the stretch. Guys, he was coming off of an ACL injury. 95% of all football players not named Adrian Peterson struggled the year after uh, ACL surgery. Look at Alvin, I'm assuming Alvin, Allen Robinson from 2018 to 2019. You know, he was, again, two years removed. Cooper Cup will be going into his second year removed from the ACL surgery. I know he'll be playing more on the outside, and they'll move him around a little bit. I have no fear about Cooper Cup. When they go three wide, they will mix in Josh Reynolds. Um, his stock's up a little bit, but I, I, I don't think you hate it. Um, in case something happens to Cup or Woods, this guy's value would go absolutely through the roof. So, Jerry, where are you at with these three guys? I've got uh, Woods as a buy with stock up, Cup as a hold with stock neutral, and Reynolds as a stock up screaming buy. I think I am pretty much chalk with that. The only thing I would add is that, yes, Cup is a stock neutral for guys like us, but I don't think the perception around Cooper Cup is that he's a dude that can finish as wide receiver four in fantasy, even though he's done it. He's not a sexy sizzle guy. He's just delicious, wonderful steak that's seasoned perfectly and it's juicy and melts in your mouth. But the problem is guys love the flashy. They love Calvin Ridley. 
who will get you 900 yards, but he'll get you some touchdowns. You know, I, I like fantasy points. We talked about fantasy points earlier. Cooper Cup's a dude that gives me fantasy points. So I, I think you're right saying that it's stock neutral. I don't think much has changed during the offseason, but I think the pers- perception is going down a little bit. It's just creeping. As far as Robert Woods, what do you, what does this man have to do to get some damn love in this business? 1,100 yards year before, 1,200 yards. The problem is he got two touchdowns last year. Touchdowns are lucky. Touchdowns you can't predict. They happen. Mike Williams can get you 10 touchdowns, and then the next year he can get you 1,000 yards, and people think he's crap because he didn't get the 10 touchdowns. Touchdowns happen. Touchdowns are fluky. It's, it's lucky. It's Robert Woods is a beacon of consistency at the wide receiver position, and he's cheap, so he's definitely stock up. Josh Reynolds, sneaky. The sneaky, that was a good, that was, that was good. Because people want to talk about Van Jefferson, and people want to just, ignore that wide receiver three spot. But every time he's been given an opportunity, kid's been pretty good. Kid's shown he can hang. I like it. I liked all, all three of those calls. All right. And let's go into the very polarizing tight end position. Uh, We did leave out Van Jefferson there. I would just throw Van Jefferson in there as a guy to get thrown in on trades. He was, he was going in like the late second, third, sometimes even fourth round of super flex rookie drafts. And people don't love him, but based on their cap situation, as of today, end of May 2020, L.A. has about a million bucks in 2021 cap room. And let's just say they've got some expensive guys to try to re-up, like Jalen Ramsey, like Cooper Cup. It's going to be safe to say that someone's going to be gone, so be scooping up cheap Josh Reynolds and cheap Van Jefferson where you can because they could be forced into a starter's role in 2021 due to the money. And let's get into the tight end position. You got my man Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Now I have Higby as a hold, although I think he's going to go bananas this year. Um, The reason why I have him as as a hold is I think his tight end premium ADP where he's going right now in drafts is about right. Maybe a a skosh high. Um, Some people are very optim, you know, cautious cautiously optimistic not me Uh, the tight end position is one of those ones where if you don't have one of the big three andrews kittle or kelsey you know you're really just kind of hunting for a dude and this guy man if he plays like he did the last five games of the year you got a dude i would be cautious overpaying for him just in case he can't replicate what he did and then gerald everett i know a lot of people like him but he's the one without the contract, and we just talked about their cap situation, and they drafted Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Someone's going to be gone in 2021, and it's probably Gerald Everett. So when they're in two tight end sets, yes, Everett will be on the field, but if I had to put the the, the value on a guy, it's Higby at the combine. The, the coaches were all like they were stunned, like they didn't know how to react to how Higby performed down the stretch. So Everett's still a hold for me because he could get the opportunity next year somewhere else. And so that makes him a hold. I wouldn't give him away or if Higby gets hurt. And then Higby's kind of a hold, but I could see him being worth a whole lot more next year. Jerry, what are you, uh, where are you at? Uh, So I don't really give a dog crap about Gerald Everett. And as a person whose name is Gerald, usually I tend to like guys with my name. I don't care about him. At all. Tyler Higby's better. Sorry, I I know he did some things when other players were injured. If you are a tight end 
in the NFL, and you can show that you can go for 107 yards, 116, 111, 104, and 84 consecutively. I'm sorry. How how do I not think you're an elite asset? How many tight ends in this game can do that? Wait, what do we see? George Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, Andrews, and how often have they done that? Four straight games with 100 yards in a row, and five with over 80 yards. That's absurd. That's insanity. I, I think he's 100% a buy because I think this dude is on the precipice of greatness. He and would I have, will say it. If go I, ahead. If I, say if I was a coach, you'd have to show me that you could stop him. And I guess opposing defensive coordinators said last year when they were playing the Rams, they're like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Now, mind you, if he plays in the NFC West with George Kittle and other opposing defensive coordinators are saying, we don't know what we're supposed to do with Tyler Higby. He's going to be a scary matchup. And let's, I mean, let's look at some of the games where they didn't do well. St. Louis scored seven points against San Francisco. He had three targets. They got, they beat Chicago 17 points. He didn't play. They lost to Baltimore. They got slobber knockered. They only got six and they got targeted six times for 20 yards. And then in the games where he blew up at the end. 34 points, 28 points, 21 points, 31 points, 31 points. Probably target him. Because he is good. He is a mismatch. I, Randy, I, w- I would have Tyler Higby at a stupid place if I were doing my rankings. A borderline, I mean, I'm not going to say Zach Ertz. That's, uh, that, that would be too absurd. Tight end five. Not, I don't feel bad about it. I, I think it would be the big two. And then I think Andrews. Then I think Ertz. And then I would put Higby there and... I don't give a crap because I am pretty darn certain that's right. Uh, over Waller, over Hunter Henry, over Austin Hooper, all those type guys? Yep, see you guys. Yeah. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of talent there. Waller, great. I appreciated you breaking out as a 27-year-old, but they just added a ton of wide receivers. Not buying it. I'll, t- I'll take Higby. I'll take that offense because you know what none of those guys did? Anything close to what Tyler Higby did in his his first real shot taking the bull by the horns. I can't wait. So I'm going to say overall, I'm, I'm again, I hate to be so tepid, but I'm slightly up. I mean, this has been a hot offense for three years in a row. And I think the defense got bad. I think the offense will have to play uh, behind a lot, which means the ball will be in the air. I see nothing but fantasy goodness here. So for me, this is up, even if it is ever so slightly, Jerry, where are you at? I think it's probably about the same, but to a little extent up, just because I think Goff's going to turn it over a little bit more. They'll find the end zone a little bit, but I think it's going to be about the same, just little bits. Some of those games that they struggled in, like like I mentioned, where they scored six points or 10 points, I, th- I think they'll improve on that. All right. Well, let's get into this third and final team. We'll uh, We'll move this one along a little bit. This is my favorite team, Jerry. This is the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts last year finished 16th in points per game, right dead in the old middle with 22.6 a game. From a total play standpoint, they were 25th, which I found to be odd. But uh, and I'm sorry, 25th in total yards, but 18th in total offensive plays. So wasn't the most efficient offense in the land. They were 30th in passing yards and 25th in pass attempts. There was a little Brian Hoyer, the destroyer, mixed in there. Never a good thing. Rushing rushing yards, they were 7th 
in rushing yards and fifth in rushing attempts. 471 rush attempts. We'll get into that in just a second. Who's new? Uncle Phil Rivers is new, the new starting quarterback. Jacoby's still his backup. Uh, Second-round rookie draft pick Jonathan Taylor at running back. Uh, Second-round rookie wide receiver uh, Michael Pittman Jr. They brought in tight end Trey Burton. Uh, They brought in a rookie wide receiver, Patman. And then uh, a guy who could be forced into action this time next year, Jacob Eason, who's gone, and I did put Andrew Luck, and I think it's for good. I think if he didn't take the year off to get right and come right back, I don't think we ever see Andrew Luck back, which is too bad. Uh, Ryan Grigson, I hate you. Um, Jonathan Williams, um, who had a couple of flashy games there. And then Jerry, one of your favorites, Devin Funchess, no longer in the horseshoe and blue. So uh, let's get into this, Jerry. What do you think about my Colts offseason? I, okay. I think as far as the rookies were concerned, I loved the hell out of it. Philip Rivers is... That's an interesting sort of thing. Jacoby Brissett's younger. He, I mean, he wasn't great. He wasn't going to be great. But I feel like it's, it's like a Band-Aid to the problem. You were still going to win with Jacoby Brissett. You're still going to win a little bit with Phillip Rivers. You're never going to get the QB of the future. But you're also probably not going to win enough to make any noise in the playoffs. I don't know. It's, it's a weird move. As far as fantasy is concerned, though, I think Philip Rivers is going to be pretty good because if there's one person that just don't give a damn, guess who it is? Philip Rivers. I mean, outside of Jameis Winston, that dude, you want to talk about YOLO bombs? Oh, yeah, that guy will get it. And he'll get it to Michael Pittman and that big fella. And T.Y. Hilton's going to be able to put the burners on and get open. I think it's going to be good. I think it's I think you guys are going to be successful. I think it's going to be better than it was. It was an interesting offseason for you guys. and. We'll talk about running backs in a bit. Yeah, for me, Uncle Phil, I mean, whatever. He was finished as uh, QB 18 overall last year in your basic four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. So more than usable in two QB formats. It just may come sporadically. I think play action will mean more with Pittman. So we'll get it. I actually like the offseason a little bit. Uh, they, they did some interesting stuff with a trade for DeForest Buckner. On the defensive side of the ball, that's not really what we're here to do. So we'll get into this. For me, Uncle Phil, he's either a hold or a sell. If you're not a contender in Dynasty, you just need to move Uncle Phil. And maybe you have to wait. Again, lots of guys are going to get hurt at the quarterback position. That's going to be your most prime time to sell. Unless someone comes through and gives you a decent offer, and what do I mean? I mean like a second. You know, if you're a non-contender and you see a contender out there who maybe lost Jameis, uh, they were counting on Cam to come back. Offer him Philip Rivers for Jarrett Stidham. Who cares? If Jarrett Stidham never materializes beyond 2021, guess what? You're out absolutely nada. Zip. Zero. Because Uncle Phil is going nowhere but out of the league. He's got a head coaching job of a Alabama high school. And, a, and here's the one thing. If Jarrett Stidham actually hits to any degree, you just hit a scratch-off ticket. If you can give Uncle Phil up for Jordan Love... You know Green Bay's got to use him at some point because what's the point of having a quarterback on a rookie contract if you don't have him out there? Because that's the whole benefit of having a quarterback on a rookie contract. So those are the kind of guys I'd be looking to get rid of uh, Phil for. 
that, you know, someone that really that owner's not planning on using him anyway, so why not, you know, take a, a proven guy? You could also do that with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, etc. Um, Jacob Eason, I'm fascinated with. If you can get him in the third, fourth round of a Superflex rookie draft like I've seen, I'm, all, I'm okay with that. Maybe he'll show something, Jerry. Where are you at with these quarterbacks? <sighs> I think it's... I don't think any of them are really ready. If you want me to be truthful, I don't think any of them are the guys for the future, but like it, I can't really argue with any of your takes, Randy. It's if you can get something for Phil later, man, I'll miss you. Sayonara. Listen, he's fertile. He'll be fine. He needs all the money he can get. He got all the money by this. Get up, move on. It's not the QB of the future is in that room where maybe, Maybe the 2023 draft, that's when we'll have our, Q, our QB ready. If you're a, I don't even want to say if you're a contender, you go for Philip Rivers. Honestly, I don't really think there's a situation where you can have Philip Rivers. I think he's 100% a sell for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you just try to get what you can get for him and move on. Okay, let's, 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 uh, let's get to the main event. Let's talk about these running backs, Jerry. Um, I'm going to let you go first because I've got some uh, interesting opinions here. Okay. Ready? Uh, we talked about the Rams, how I thought that there was a real possibility that Daryl Henderson could take some of the work from Cam Akers, and I don't have a differing opinion on this situation for the short term. I do think that Jonathan Taylor is a far superior running back than Marlon Mack, and I think eventually the unbelievable talent that is Jonathan Taylor will outweigh that. But for all the people that are going to, they drafted him at 102 or 101 or 103 or wherever they took him, and he's sitting in their starting lineup right now, and they are looking at their roster, and their pants are getting tight because they think they're going to win a championship. I don't think we're ready for that. I think that is still a little ways away. I think we're looking at more of a Miles Sanders type of situation. I think he's better than Miles Sanders. I think in the long term, he's going to be better. But I think as far as this first season is concerned, Marlon Mack didn't die. Marlon Mack ain't going away. Marlon Mack was pretty darn good. And as that is coming from a human that has said awful and miserable things about Marlon Mack, as we have sat here and talked football, Randy, and I think you're sort of on the same page as me. I really, at least the the way you foreshadowed it, I think you are. No, I'm 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 actually uh, JT is a buy. Uh, if you got him, hold him. I, I wouldn't move him for. It would take a lot. It would take a monumental offer. For hold on. You. All right, hold on. Start up. Where are we talking? Where are we taking him as far as running backs are concerned? I mean, I don't have ADP in front of me. I don't know. Well, I, I know. I'm just, just saying, like, if is he like RB10? Is he RB4? Is he RB20? No, no. I mean, he would be, I don't know, let's say 12, give or take. Okay. Uh, I've only, so still, I've only still done RB1 one startup. bona fide, going to be good. I, I mean, if you told me I could have him or Derrick Henry, I'm going to take him. Yeah, I agree. I, I At least I, I think I'll get some passing volume here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think somewhere around the middle of the third, end of the third feels okay based on how, how you're going. I mean, I, everything's going to, you know, come down to how the board shakes out. So, um, but I like him a lot, man. I, I think he's got a great profile and, uh, I'll go ahead and roll into Marlon Mack. I think he's a buy too. I think everybody automatically assumes that as my co-host would say, he's a poop sandwich. I don't buy that. 
I, I think this is one of my double trouble backfields. I think both guys are going to have a role, guys. Here's the thing. This team rushed the ball 471 times. Let's do a little math. Okay, first of all, 70-ish of those rushes were Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers ain't rushing anything. So let's say he turns some of his what would be rushes into checkdowns. That's worth even more for both of these guys. And here's the thing. When Marlon Mack was hurt last year, Jerry, who did they turn to? Who did they turn to? Jonathan Williams and a little bit of Jordan Wilkins, not Naheem Hines. So they've shown that when they they need to get the ball in someone's hands, even when Marlon Mack was out, it wasn't Naheem Hines. I think there's a clear case where, let's say that there's 400 rushing attempts between JT and Mack, and JT's probably going to get 250, and Mack's going to get 150. But here's the thing. As a Mac fan, I never saw him as a three-down workhorse. I never saw him as Zeke. I never saw him as an Adrian Peterson. You know, this is the kind of guy who's a much better pass catcher than we remember. And don't be surprised if Marlon Mack doesn't play more of that Austin Eckler role. I know all the smoke, Jerry, all the steam is being poured on Naheem Hines, and, oh, we're, yeah. and we're sleeping on Marlon Mack. I think Marlon Mack plays some of that Eckler role. I think JT plays more of that Melvin Gordon role. And Naheem Hines is still a guy who's going to get about 100 touches total on the season. That's, and, what, that's what I think. So for me, both of these guys at their current cost are both buys for me, JT uh, and Mack. All right, let's have a little talk about Marlon Mack because he's one of these guys that we both think he's going to have value, and I don't think that's a popular take across the community. At some point, you would think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the workhorse. Would you, would you agree with that? I do not. The Colts have not used a, a workhorse. You're not going to get a guy who gets 80% of the workload. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to give a guy, like I said, they rushed the ball 471 times. You're not going to give someone 300. You're just not. This is a team with playoff aspirations. The rookie wall is real. Both of these guys are going to have a sizable workload between receptions and rushes. I mean, b- both guys could have 250 touches this year between now, the two, between the two what, of them. Let, let's talk about going forward, though. Do you think, do you think they're going to keep Marlon Mack in Indianapolis? Th- that I do not. I, I, I think that as long as Chris Ballard's the GM, they'll try to keep guys on rookie deals to save money. I think Marlon Mack will walk in the offseason and – kind of become what a lot of guys become they just become uh they kind of like float around out there in the ether is that middling rb2 that just kind of sticks on the back end of your roster that's like a bi-week fill-in not a bad thing just not like a thing you build around in dynasty now so if if we both think they're going to be productive we don't really think he's going to be around at some point there has to be a selling opportunity this year then i would that's what i'm concluding 100%. 100%. Yeah, if, if you don't think that he's going to help you win a championship or you're not in a position to win a championship, as soon as you get a clear, defined picture of what Mac is in this offense, you sell him. You sell him. Say, say look, you know, Mac's playing more of the Eckler role and Mac's getting more touches than we thought. And, hey, Mac still has value. And you, you, you flip him right then. I mean, what's the worst case? You know, he winds up as like a James White type. No, he's never going to have that many rushes. He's the kind of guy, and when I say James White, I mean the kind of guy that for three years in a row has been an RB2 or better. What's wrong with that? RB2s help win championships, man. 100%, but that's 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 just what I wanted to get at. Is The problem is it's 
He's, I agree with you that he's going to be good. And I think, you know, it's it, the smoke is all Jonathan Taylor. The problem is going to be swallowing your pride at some point this season when he's being successful and pulling the trigger. Because right now, Marlon Mack isn't worth a wet fart, in my opinion. If you tried to sell Marlon Mack, you're not going to be able to sell him off. If you try to buy him, you would probably be able to buy him pretty darn cheap. I think uh, that goes without saying. If if you need a good, solid uh, RB2, and that could be anywhere from RB13 to 24 on the season, if you need an RB2 in your dynasty team that you can get for RB3 prices, Marlon Mack's your guy. I just feel that way. I think I think that's uh, the role. I mean, again, this offense tells me they want to run the ball, but I want to run over to the wide receiver position. My man T.Y. Hilton, the rookie Pittman. Uh, we got Paris Campbell from last year. I'm not going to go into Zach Pascal or Darius Fountain or any of these other uh, jabronis. We're going to stick to those big three. So, Jerry, where are you at with T.Y., Pittman, and uh, Paris Campbell? I like T.Y., and I think it's going to be good that Phillip Rivers is there with him. I think that is a big a big boost to T.Y. Hilton because T.Y. Hilton was, I don't want to say totally Andrew Luck dependent, but pretty darn close to Andrew Luck dependent when it when it came to being a, you know, elite fantasy asset. Not to say that that's going to be the case again, but I think it's going to be good for him because they're going to have to sling the ball and he's going to be there and it's going to be wonderful. And I think it's good for Michael Pittman because there's not a ton of these rookie situations where there's not, you know, tons of competition. I think Michael Pittman is in one of the very select few situations where he can be productive immediately, where he can join the offense and be that Terry McLaren where he just, he shows up and he shows out, you know, Jerry Judy's going to have lots of competition. CD lamb's going to have lots of competition. You can like their talent more all you want, but when it comes to the numbers on your fantasy scores, I don't, I don't think they're going to meet up with what Michael Pittman does initially. And, that yeah, that has to do with his talent, and that has to do with that situation. And as far as Paris Campbell goes, let's talk about another guy that's just not worth a wet fart anymore. He's this was a dude that was in the first round last year in a lot of drafts. We're talking like 107, 108 in a lot of drafts. You think you're going to get anything close to that right now? I think that dude's an easy buy. We're talking about a dude that had, what was it, 439 speed or something like that? And, and now you got Rivers coming to town? Randy, that's a that's a cheap stash. And, it, and listen, if it doesn't work, okay, because you're not the person that spent the first-round pick on him, unless you are, in which case, definitely hold on to him. Do not get rid of that. I think he's one of the great buys in the league right now. Because the perception's down, because the production wasn't there, injuries happened. He's got a quarterback that's going to sling the ball, and he's a talented guy. I think that's just a vortex of buy for me. You know, I'll just hit all these guys together. I mean, I'm looking at the the Chargers roster from last year, and this is eerily reminiscent for Phillip Rivers. You got two really good backs. This time it's JT and Mac as opposed to Gordon and Eckler, uh, but he only had two really good wide receivers last year, in my opinion. He had Williams and Allen, and then he had Hunter Henry, but he didn't really have that that 
that speedster man that that small guy out of the slot so i i don't know what to make of this this passing offense i think ty and phil will have that veteran chemistry right off the bat and i, th- I think ty will be a nice stash on a contender and if you're not a contender with ty you just have to wait until the season's rolling and then you can try to unload him then michael pittman uh, don't be surprised if he doesn't remind you a lot of Mike Williams. Now, Mike Williams, the last two years with Uncle Phil, two years ago he had 10 TDs, although not a ton of yardage. Last year he had 1,000 yards but only two TDs. So if you were to get like a wide receiver three rookie season out of Michael Pittman, I would consider that a win. And then Paris Campbell, man, I'm, I'm telling you, the more we talk and the more I look at this, he, he's a guy that I may actually be want, wanting to buy a year from now. And what's the long-term solution at quarterback? And what's the long-term deal with T.Y.? Now, if you can get him now and you can get him cheap, cool. Because T.Y. will be a, a free agent in the offseason. And he may not fit the uh, the youthful rebuild here in Indianapolis. So I don't, I don't know what to do with uh, Paris Campbell. I think if I got him, I'm just going to hold. I've got him in the league. I got him from you. Uh, I'm going to sit him on the back end of my roster. I'm going to wait. Let's let's jump into these tight ends real quick. Uh, Jack Doyle, man, if I can sell him, I would. And I, I'm I'm fascinated by by Trey Burton. Um, I don't think he's cleared the uh, the injury report yet, but that's okay. He's on waivers in some of my leagues. You know what? There's no point in uh, me not rostering him until camp cut down. And if I got to dump him, then I will. But this is a guy who hasn't been healthy in two years. But if for some reason he's right. I have to ask myself why. Why did they go out and pick up Trey Burton? What was the point? You know, you've got Doyle, you've got uh, Gigantor, Mo Alley Cox. What are they doing, Jerry? Where are you at with these tight ends, buddy? I don't give a crap about uh, Jack Doyle. We've been talking about Jack Doyle since it seems like Bill Clinton was in office and we were worrying about his impeachment, and he has never shown me a thing. He has never really helped my fantasy teams win. As far as Trey Burton is concerned, intriguing is the word. He's one of these guys at the end of startups that I look and I just go, I have a bunch of bad tight ends. I might as well take one and just hope that they can swing for the fences. And Trey Burton is that dude so often. And it's weird because I never even cared about Trey Burton. He was a guy that I could have said I don't give a wet fart about last year. But here I am reaching into the bottom of the bargain bin DVDs at uh, a hollowed out ruin of Circuit City trying to find a tight end. And Trey Burton's that guy. I think he's intriguing because he's cheap or free. Uh, but I don't I don't I don't think the the one we're going to rely on is there yet. But as far as this season, I do like Trey Burton, if any at all. But. My hopes are, like I said, in the bottom of the DVD bargain bin at a hollowed out relic of Circuit City. Uh, I was going to say that bin at the checkout at Walmart. That when you go people watching, you can go DVD watching too. (laughs) Uh, Got like the giant orange sticker that says 99 cents on it. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm really feeling more confident in my projection of this running game than in this passing game. The only one that I really want, like, let's say this was redraft as opposed to dynasty. The only one I'm really comfortable with rostering and starting as like a wide receiver three uh, on a given week is T.Y. Hilton. 
Everyone else is, you know, just to be determined. I, I like Michael Pittman. I like Michael Pittman a lot. I want to see what he does in this offense, but I'm not proactively out there kicking tires on anybody. Um, usually in a situation like this, you want the cheapest one. I'm not even sure I want Paris Campbell, and I damn sure don't want Zach Pascal. So there you go, Jerry. Another lengthy show, but but a solid show full of good information. Uh, what did you take away from today's little exercise? Uh, this was a weird one because it was, I think it's a lot of really exciting teams. Like uh, last week when we did the Lions, like I can make the Lions sound exciting, but they're not. Yeah, You guys, you gained the Colts, that is. You got two polarizing rookies. You brought in a veteran quarterback. That's awesome. The Rams are usually a productive offense. It's just, today was a fun one because there's a lot of guys that were just, it's super fantasy relevant. Every single position for the most part on everybody, except for I would consider the tight ends for the Colts. Every single position group we talked about had relevant players. Yeah, I feel like this one went about an hour and 20 minutes, and we'll have some coming up in a couple of weeks. It'll go like 14 minutes. And <laughs> there you go. And Memphis did a poor job of planning this out. No, um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And we, 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 we're doing these deep dives because there's not a lot going on right now. And if anything changes of any real significance, if Cam Newton were to sign in Indy or Denver or whatever, of course we'll go back and we'll resurface that later. Like we did a little bit of news at the beginning of this. Oh, Jerry, by the way, did you know that this is the 98th straight week we've had at least a uh, Wednesday Dynasty Warzone? My goodness. Not, not like 98th episode. No, 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 no. 98 straight Wednesdays in a row. We're talking holidays. We're talking vacations. We're talking no service. We're talking, hey, can we get people to jump on and help co-host? Uh, 98 straight Wednesdays, man. I'm pretty proud of that. Not bad when we both work. You went to Italy at one point. I'm a full-time student, too. So it's, you know, listen, okay. Ed, we make it work. And listen, kudos to you. Listen to what the people don't know. Listen, they hear me and talk, and they hear you talk more than more than me because I I am not as you know consistent as you are. But I'm I'm like a Marlon Mack asset. You know, you're the Zeke. You're the Zeke of this show, and I appreciate. And listen, that that's why you're the man. That's why you get all the credit that you get, and you deserve more than that because you're a bad mother, Randy. Jerry, you know we don't curse that much on this show and on the Patreon completely different story but that's the one thing if, if you've made it that far if you're looking for a consistent podcast i know a lot of our peers right now they uh they start winding it down for the summer you know jerry amateurs and I, jerry and i are just going to keep this thing rolling we know that as a dynasty player and a dynasty consumer we're rolling this thing out we'll be back here next wednesday and we'll also be here on friday with that bonus uh mock draft with a two-round startup with our patreons and on the way out, please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, leave us a review, subscribe to the show, keep checking us out. And on behalf of Jerry, I am Memphis, and here at the Dynasty Warzone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here real soon. Folks, Kyle here. I'm a physical therapist and a fantasy football junkie. I've been doing Dynasty for a year, and I joined the Dynasty Warzone Patreon about six months ago. And never have I felt more comfortable with having Memphis, Jerry, and the guys in the patron chat help me with buys, sells, and navigating free agency and rookie draft. I can't recommend them enough. And so join the Patreon, because if you ain't first, you're last. Are you looking 
for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZRING, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you wanna be the best in the game, you wanna have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZRING, and let's have a big season.